Hello and welcome to Goodbye to All That, PopBreak.com's after-party for your favorite shows. I am, once again, after many, many months, your host, Alex Marcus, uh, and I am joined, once again, after many, many, many months, with my friend and Catherine Heigl expert, Manish Mathur. How are you doing today? Uh, doing well. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'm doing fantastic now that we're here, because uh, we are today back for round two, talking about season two of our favorite show, Firefly Lane, the Netflix series that spans the decades, um, starring Katherine Heigl and Sarah Chalk as famous best friends uh, who have a mysterious falling out that we finally get to see at the, by the end of this season. So we have a lot to get into. If you haven't seen Firefly Lane seasons one and seasons two, we will be spoiling everything that happens. So please go on to Netflix and catch up. It's a great show that we both really love. Uh, you can hear our thoughts on season one um, in an episode from about a year and a half ago covering that episode in this exact podcast feed, uh, Pop Break TV, when I was hosting Goodbye to All That all the time. And uh, yeah, we're going to just dive right into it. And Vanish, I have to ask, you know, there's a lot of things to get into, as there always <laughs> is, because we have like a million different storylines across multiple decades. Yeah. But I feel like we have to start where the season starts, which is with the shocking introduction of the Tully father plotline uh, that we get teased in the 70s and te- and then we meet characters in the 80s who turn out to be related to Tully. And then in the 2000s, we finally find out who her dad really is. And I'm really curious, was this a storyline that you really needed after season one? Because I personally never really thought about what, who her dad was until they were like, oh, she has a father and she wants to know. And I was like, oh, right, I guess she would want to know who her dad was. <laughs> ne- never really occurred to me because it's such like a women-centric show. But um, how did you feel about this choice? No, I, I, I felt pretty similar. I guess I, I didn't rewatch season one. Um, so I don't really remember if this was something that Tully had mentioned in the previous season, but... It so didn't really cross my mind either, um, and I was kind of like, I figured, you know, Telly's father is probably some ex or whatever. As it became more prominent and more of a mystery that Telly was solving, I think I'd be less interested if it was just a scene of Cloud saying, well, this is your father, and now, but because it became something that, you know, there were clues and there were twists and turns, and, you know, she made the docu-special about it, which is kind of a fun framing device for it. It became one of the, my, my favorite parts of the show in the first half of the second season, or the first quarter, I guess. So I, I think it turned out to be something that I was really invested in, and I really appreciated it, um, appreciated all the twists and how it resolved. Uh, I guess it was kind of subversive the way they handle it. But yeah, so I, I think over over the few episodes where it was covered, it became something that I really found myself interested in. Yeah, I'll, I definitely agree with you on that. I was not initially invested in it at all. It seemed kind of like, a, well, I guess we need to have something for her to do uh, yeah. type of storyline to kind of slow things down so we don't rush into the ultimate reveal of what the, what the big cliffhanger was from last season. Yeah. Um, but over time, I definitely... I, I definitely felt more and more invested in it. I really liked the way that it gets layered through different ways across all the different timelines, uh, which is pretty smart. And, you yeah. know, they subverted my expectations because they set up this Greg uh, German character who seems to be uh, heavily foreshadowed as Tully's mysterious 
uh, father, unbeknownst to her, and he's cla- he's running for governor and clashing with her as a as a reporter in the 80s, and he just seems like this terrible person. We get a glimpse of him in the 90s as well. He just seems like a nightmare and just the absolute least person that Tully would ever want to be her dad. And so you think, well, they're clearly setting this up for that. And then it kind of swerves at the last minute into something that's a lot nicer. And yeah. uh, I think that that is kind of like this show in a nutshell, which is like it gets right at the edge of a intense dramatic conflict and then it just like veers into a nice big hug um but (laughs) we like the show so that's so i'm happy about that (laughs) i mean if there's one thing this show does really well it's turning these like huge revelations into something that gets resolved in about two minutes (laughs) so i was kind of glad that you know it's it's keeping in theme with the show to have these conflicts get kind of fizzle out and explained away just to get ready for the next plot line to start Yes, absolutely. And if you haven't watched the show and you're listening to this for some reason, uh, the big (laughs) reveal is that we think that uh, Tully's father is going to be Benedict Binswanger, which is just like an insane name, uh, who who is this uh, former governor of Washington where they live. Um, And he's just like a real prick and has been a total dick to Tully over the years. Um, But it turns out that, no, it was actually his really nice brother who he uh, was estranged from after he kind of got in the way of his brother and Cloud having the family that they always wanted. And uh, and it turns out that he really, uh, Benedict's brother, really wanted to be in Tully's life once he figured out who she was. But he sadly uh, died uh, tragically right before uh, he could. What did you think of the reveal that like literally just a few weeks before Tully finally figured it out and went to see him he died that it was like such comically uh close timing yeah Uh, i don't know i kind of like the the kind of bittersweet irony of that you know to me it kind of mirrors you know sort of the the ending of the season you know with where we're kind of wondering whether kate and telly can reunite before it's too late and kind of thinking about you know this show is a show about time it's about decades it's about wasting time or kind of relishing in the moment and so I, I think it's kind of this I, I don't know I appreciate the irony of it and I also like that it wasn't it was sure it's a little bit cleaner that you know Telly's father is this evil governor but it's also messier that she didn't get to meet him and that mm-hmm. they had this like moment in the past where they connected a little bit but without knowing the other and that it's almost been too neat if she finds him and they have this like you know reunion and now they're a big happy family yeah um because you know we, we think about all the times that like they could have been reunited if you know she had pushed a little further or if cloud had looked up looked into it or you know or if that i mean her father was living in washington he could have tried to find cloud he could have tried to find his daughter and try to figure out what happened but you know so you think about this theme of like wasted time and you know, I, I think it's just a it's it's a neat way I think to resolve the story without it being either like, oh no, Cloud got assaulted by this powerful politician, or mm-hmm. Telly's yeah. able to reunite with her father, and now they're this like you can imagine a show where like Telly reunites with her father, and then now he's a recurring character on the show, and mm-hmm. you know, I mean that happened on like the show Mom. Uh, with Alice and Janney and uh, Anna Ferris, where like they look for the father and they find him and he becomes a recurring character for two seasons. And it's like, I mean, that's that works for a sitcom, but I don't know if it would be as satisfying for a soap opera drama series. Yeah, well, and I think that I think it could have played contrived if 
like in the eventual reveal that he like literally just died. Yeah. But I think I think that Katherine Heigl plays that scene so fantastically. Yeah. It's like one of her best scenes in the whole series, I think. And she just really lands the emotion of it and like the yeah. very complex level of emotion of like I found him, I knew I we were so close and now I can't get this and then and the way that she, you know, because she's doing this docu-series, like, to help revitalize her career, she has to compartmentalize the emotions, she has to exploit those emotions, and she has to, like, balance all of these things all at the same time. It was a lot for her as a performer, and I think that she really handled it well, and she managed to maintain the tone of the show, which means not going too dark into those, like, emotions, yeah. while still really exploring what that would be like for her character i really respected what she was what she was up to yeah and it also allows cloud to kind of keep her dignity as a character one that this was a a true love story and also that you know we don't have to sideline her development and evolution as a character to kind of reintroduce the father because i feel like you know telly's so focused on her father that i feel like if he had been a part of the show later (laughs) poor cloud would have just been sidelined i think a little bit so yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I could have seen a way where it could have kind of brought her even closer to Tully, where yeah. like maybe they'd yeah. actually try to reconnect and have some sort of nuclear family and what that would be like after all those years. Like, I think there's ways to play that for drama and comedy yeah. in a way that would work for the show. But ultimately, I think that they did make the right choice. And I like that they gave Cloud the opportunity to have that uh, emotional catharsis as well, right? She's at the table with the her ex's uh, widow and learning the truth about everything right alongside Tully. Um, and I think that that was really nice for the character because I don't yeah. think that was necessary, right? The show didn't need Cloud to be as big of a part of that quest as it ended up being. And uh, But I think it ultimately pays off because, you know, we are, by the end of this season, pretty invested in Cloud, I think, as a character. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's nice that we get to service her in that way as well. Yeah. I mean, and that's a lot of it is because of what happens in the 70s, which is which surprised me because I was pretty much expecting Cloud to be like not part of that storyline moving forward because there was this big dramatic thing where she gets arrested and until he gets taken away. And, you know, we I think at the end of that season, we on the podcast speculated that, well, it seems like. Tully is just going to move in with Kate and her family at some right, point, and it's right. like, when is that going to happen? Turns out that's not what happens at all. Um, instead, we get, you know, Tully living with her grandma for a year, and then it not going super well, and then and then uh, Cloud gets out of jail, and she actually tries to make it work as a as like a, you know Susie homemaker, um, and of course uh, that is just not who she is, and she kind of crumbles under the weight of those expectations that she put on herself and that society put on her and uh and then we kind of get a reset to a status quo that's similar to the season one status quo by the end of the season what did you think about that as an arc for cloud and tully in the 70s yeah i mean i i actually thought that cloud attempts to be more of a Susie Homemaker felt really genuine and i think she was actually trying and i feel bad that it didn't really work for her um, I think it's, you know, old habits are hard to die. And also Telly is not really the easiest person to kind of do a transformation around because, you know, I, I think justifiably, understandably, she's very jaded by her experience and she's very, you know, skeptical of Cloud, which makes sense. And also just, you know, when Cloud is dating that religious guy and, you know, he starts oh, to, fa- he tries to be a, a father <laughs> figure to Tully and, 
um, you know, I felt bad for Cloud the most. I mean, I felt bad for Telly, of course, but I felt bad for Cloud because I'm like, you know, you're trying really hard. You're trying to find what you think of as a good person to be around. But of course, men being who they are, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. they have to disappoint you. And I'm like, if you just met like a genuinely good guy, I, I think it probably would have stuck and maybe she would have been able to turn her life around in a different way. And so I don't know, I, I actually, you know, I, I don't think I really remembered Cloud as much from season one. This, I remember Tully having hippie mother and kind of in and out of jail and stuff, but I don't really remember Cloud that much, but I really appreciated how much development she had and like, you know, how much she pioneered blogging and, and doing <laughs> YouTube videos. <laughs> I mean, wow, she really was the Mark Zuckerberg of her era. Uh, totally. Um, but um, I, so I just feel like, you know, I don't know. I've, I appreciated that she got a lot more to do with the season around. And I thought that, like, I think they handled her, like, development in a way that felt very genuine. And that, like, she tried, she failed a couple of times. It, it took her a while to kind of get it together. But eventually she threw it. Yeah. And, like, she doesn't play a huge role in the 80s storyline. But when we do meet up with her in the 80s, that's one of the saddest things that happens on the show. Yeah. It's, like, so rough the way that, like, when we find her, she's not in a good place at all. And Tully is trying to reconnect. And she just can't. She just can't take it. She can't be present in the moment and really see what's happening. And so instead, she just kind of exploits Tully for her perceived status, you know, which, you know, Tully is trying to project to make it seem like she's a lot better off than she actually is because she wants to impress her mom and her mom gets all the wrong signals from that and thinks that her that she doesn't need her um, and that she could just kind of uh, she can just steal from her. And it's fine because she's just like rich yuppie who doesn't care about anything anymore. Just so not the case. And uh, and then they part on such like a rough, rough term. And then it's like, well, now you could see why they were so distant for so long. Right. Not right. only do you have all this kind of trauma and turmoil in the 70s. But an experience like that, that's definitely going to make you start telling people that your mom is dead because uh, she is dead to you after she did that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I never liked when people um, kind of threw that in Telly's face as if, like, she's trying to, like, hide, like, a shameful past. I mean, I think that's part of it, but I also think it's what you're saying is that, you know, Telly tried to kind of rebuild a relationship, but I think Cloud just wasn't in the right place for it. And yeah. I think Telly is also, you know, I mean, at that point, she's like, what, 25, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or something like that. So she's young, too, and she takes things personally. I don't think she has maturity to be as forgiving and patient as maybe she would in her 40s. Yeah, which, we, which thanks to the unique structure of the show, we actually get to see that, right? Yeah. We get to see that, how she's able to build that tolerance and that acceptance. And yeah. she's kind of able to reckon with her own flaws more and see them in her mom. And so there's more acceptance overall. Even if they still clash, they're still in, I feel like when we're in the 2000s, it feels like even if these characters fight sometimes, they're always going to be in each other's lives, where that didn't feel the case when you meet them in the 80s, you know? Yeah, they have an unbreakable bond, you know? Exactly. <laughs> they're Firefly. <laughs> She's an honorary Firefly Lane girl at the end of the cloud. Yeah, honestly. And uh, also, uh, you know, I also appreciated, and I think that it was very necessary because we spend a lot more time with Cloud in, two th- in the 2000 storyline than we did in the previous season, but they really toned down her makeup. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> but, remember but she yeah. had like comical old age makeup on in the first season, yeah. and they definitely 
they don't do that this year. <laughs> well, I, I think the actress is actually younger uh, yeah. than uh, uh, Catherine Heigl. But, and of course, you need Cloud to look at her. You know, she needs to be that age when she has the most scenes in, in the 70s. But um, I feel like she looked more believable now that they toned down the makeup. Uh, yes, much, much more. And, you know, <laughs> course, you know, I understand recasting teens, you know, but I was, I'm like, I don't know. Let let this actress keep this role. Why recast her, you know? She's so yeah, good role that, like, absolutely. I can forgive the age, whatever, you know. Yeah, I'm very glad that we get to see her through the decades. I'm just also yeah. glad that they were like, <laughs> but let's, she's, well, because then also she's playing like a woman who's supposed to be like in her late 50s, I think. Yeah. And and they made her look like she was like in her 80s in season <laughs> one for some reason. So right. <laughs> I'm glad they toned it down. And the actress, Bo Garrett, I think she just does great work here. She she yeah. really, she stands she shoulder really, to shoulder with Catherine yeah. Heigl. Oh, totally. I think one of my favorite scenes is when they're in the bookshop and she's telling her about her relationship with PJ Patrick, I think his name is. Uh, but um, I think she does what Katherine Heigl does well, is that like she just makes all of this so believable because she's so earnest and she's so um, committed and, and, con- and has such conviction that I think she makes all of this so believable, which is why like even the sillier moments when... Hey, we finally found it, got our first butt on the show. I don't know if you caught it. <laughs> yes, finally. So uh, when, you know, that scene happens, you kind of, it's silly, but you believe it. And it's kind of like you you can accept it because I think she's so good in the role. Yeah, I fully agree. And I think my favorite scene of hers is that Fourth of July party back in the yeah. 70s where she yeah. just kind of like the facade fully falls off. And yeah. I think that she totally sells it. Like the suburban people are just awful to her in a way that is sadly believable and i like that in that moment tully doesn't get mad at her she's just like wants to take care of her and it kind of helps you know kate come back into the story because of course kate and tully are having like a major fight in that moment but when, i roll <laughs> <laughs> but when kate sees what's happening with tully's mom she like is a big enough person and cares enough about tully yeah. to put it aside and be like i'm gonna help you get your mom home and and that really like when when they were setting up what was going to happen i thought that storyline was going to go in a whole different direction like i thought clearly cloud's going to melt down but i thought like tully's going to get so mad and it's going to yeah and whatever and i just love the way that they played it where it was just a really empathetic uh response from from the girls yeah and i appreciate that like cloud was able to or like we got to see how cloud like she, as much as he's trying to turn her life around it's like all these outside forces really are just pushing her back and whether it's the suburban housewives or it's that you know predatory religious guy or whether sometimes it's telly you know that like she's trying and then she makes a lot of steps to really you know change but it's 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 hard you know i mean she's an addict she's not from a privileged family where she can you know get the hips she needs she's kind of relying on only a teenage daughter so Definitely, I felt a lot of. I felt this season was more empathetic with Cloud. Yeah, and she almost killed a guy. So there's also that. <laughs> <laughs> what What did you make of that whole like we need to find a way to move the dead body plot line towards the end of the season? I, mean, I thought it was kind of cute. You know, um, it was good to see the Firefly Lane girls like kind of have this like conspiracy because. I think they, they work so well together, those two actresses. It was kind of fun to see them. And also that, um, like, it was it was cool to see Kate kind of take charge and get everyone out and for them to, like, you know, it's, it's always fun to see, you know, people kind of handle a dead body. 
in that sort of comedic <laughs> way like you can also see like how i think like it was kind of cool to see like i wish you could actually see cloud like talking to a parole officer and kind of like pull off the act of like being sober and that like but like she has it in her and like telly and kate like they i appreciated that this was just it was the kind of presented it's just like just another little like scrape that they get into they have to figure out and that it all was i mean i knew the guy wasn't dead i think that'd be really serious now i was also kind of like you could just i don't know like it's not I was like, you guys aren't going to go to jail. There's no evidence <laughs> that you murdered him. I think anyone would see that he OD'd and that you were trying. I was like, I don't know why you can't just call the police. But I understand at like 15 or whatever, you yeah. don't, you know, you don't know what to do, and it's scary too. I mean, so it was, it was, a, I thought it was a fun scene. I thought it was a fun scene too. I thought it was very sweet, um, which is an unexpected thing to describe a moving of a dead body. <laughs> I'm really glad that the body wasn't actually dead, even though they definitely broke his arm in a way that was pretty brutal. So <laughs> r- rough time for that guy uh, when he finally sobers up. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I was like, if they like literally had to dispose of a dead body when they were 15, I feel like we would have heard about it by now. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, that's crazy but it was a very fun uh it was a very fun sequence on the yeah. show so i'm i'm in favor of it sticking with the 70s there's a couple more things that i wanted to hit on before we move on number one is the lisa karen of it all now this yeah. is our a, a new new character for season two she is kind of kate's new best friend during the year that tully and kate don't talk and uh she plays a somewhat important role throughout this season what did you think about her as a new character i honestly felt bad for her um because you know and this i don't want to get too much into kate but i felt like this is another example of kate just like flitting off to someone new when telly's not around and then dropping them when telly comes back and so i thought that it was kind of like i thought i thought i mean that she's annoying and definitely like i know she was positioned in the show to be like the rule follower, the 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 square, the like um, the snitch She's or like whatever. She's like even more Kate than Kate. She's right? even more like Kate than kinda... Kate. Exactly, you're right. And so, but I'm also like, I felt bad for her, and I was like, if you guys had just like put like brought her into your little friendship, you know, maybe she'd been a little nicer. You know, I thought it was really unfair. I thought it was really good for Lisa Karen at the fast food restaurant when she's like, <laughs> doesn't really accept their apology and stuff. Because I'm like, yeah, she was kind of done wrong, you know, and yes. like she's I, I don't think she helps herself because she's so bitchy sometimes. But I also see from her perspective, like why she would be because like she literally just got dropped, you know. And yeah, um, which is like the most brutal thing that can happen to a 15 year old. Yeah, child, honestly. Yeah, like, yeah. And for, like, not even any, like, I mean, I don't know. I, like, I, I understand why, like, Tully might be a little, like, um, wary of her. But I don't know. I was, like, I'm kind of, like, Kate, I don't know why you're being so cruel to this girl. You can just explain that, like, you and Tully have been through a lot together and that, like, you have an unbreakable bond for your teens in your 40s. Um, <laughs> I think at least I can even understand, you know. Yeah. And it, it, did it come across to you that they just, like, Kate just dropped her, like, without any explanation? Yeah, they literally, I think they literally say that, like, she just never returned her phone calls. Yeah, like, she so never talked. Cool. It's, like, it's crazy. So cool. Like, this was your best friend. And, like, yeah, they got into a little bit of a fight because of, because, like, Lisa Karen was being kind of a bitch to Tully and her mom on that 4th of July party. But, it like, clearly she was just acting that way because she was, like, insecure. Like, yeah. if you were her, fr- her best friend for a full year 
I feel like you wouldn't just like boom, that's it. Like did you get one shot, you blew it, and now I'm not talking to you at all. It's like that's wild. Yeah, yeah it's um I it's love the maybe not the best at, at uh conflict resolution, Manish. No. I don't know if you yeah. picked up on this across <laughs> the season. <laughs> I do love Lady Lisa Karen. I love when women in the seventies have two first names like that. It's, <laughs> it's so seventies. It is. It's perfect. Um, are you disappointed that we didn't get to see her pop back up in later storylines for the I, other eras? I was hoping she'd come back, uh, but I'm also hoping that she went away to New York, came out as a lesbian, and became like an avant-garde filmmaker slash, you know, artist. Yes, I really hope that that is the case as well. And I hope she never goes back to Washington ever again. Those people don't deserve her. Honestly, they don't. <laughs> um, and then I guess the other big thing that happens in the... Well, you know, there's a couple of smaller things that are important for our characters, like Tully confronting her rapist, which was, I think, a very great episode. Yeah. I really liked that. Um, do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, let's talk about it. So um, what was your like what was your experience of watching that? Because like obviously that episode starts out and the whole thing is like, oh, Kate and Tully have a fa- job at a fast food restaurant and yeah. Lisa Karen is the new manager, which feels like a a, a storyline out of like that 70s show, like completely, you know. Right. Um and then it suddenly turns into a very different story. Um and I'm curious what your experience of that evolution was. I, I like that that was how they went about it, where because it's kind of like you know, this thing can kind of creep up on you at any point, especially when you're in like a small town. And um, and so I like that. And I like that um, Tully's first instinct was to uh, warn the other girlfriend. Um, and um, I think to me that foreshadows kind of like her actions with Mara at the, at the end of the season. Um, and I also like that, you know, he, I like that they like, the way that the guy, Pat, I think his name is, like, the way that he, um, like, handles it is, like, he doesn't attack her or he doesn't, like, start crying and apologizing, which I think both would have been really easy. But mm-hmm. instead, he um, just kind of, like, continues to gaslight her and continues to, like, um, because to me, it's kind of, it's I got the impression that, or I, I feel like the show is putting out that, like, I don't think he, I don't think he really, like, thinks of it as, as rape or anything and i think he's like totally self-deluding himself yeah and that to like hear like those words said to him it's like too much room to handle so he lashes out again which i find to be i think very um effective and, and somewhat realistic i mean I, I imagine like that kind of scenario i don't think set out to i feel like in his mind right he thought he's trying to convince himself and like she has the line like whatever you need to tell yourself to you know help you sleep at night which I thought was really powerful because it's kind of like yeah. she did it. She, I think she's like doing it for herself, not to like, you know, I think, of course, she wants to see him in jail or whatever. But like, I also think that like her confrontation was like more for her, her own like inner healing instead of making it about him. So I'm kind of glad that like he got to just like he had to just like repeat his own whatever lies to himself and she didn't believe it. Um, and that um, I also like that the, eventually that other girlfriend like she you know, um, I like that at first she didn't believe Tully because I felt that felt realistic. But I feel like off screen or she's like it's in her mind. And I'm yeah. sure she's thinking back to times when he was very manipulative of her or when he pushed a boundary and at the end was kind of like broke up with him. Um, so, yeah, I think that was really, I think, smartly handled. Again, just like yeah. the father reveal, just like a little bit more subversive and not as clean and neat as one might expect. 
Right, especially for this type of show, which really, I think, makes you feel like it's going to be this sort of, like, warm hug of a show every episode. And it's like, it is doing a little bit more than you expect it to in a way that I really respect and and why I think it's such a rewarding watch, right? Because yeah. it gives you those that comfort food feeling, but it doesn't, it never talks down to you, right? It actually, like, plays the reality of the emotion when it has the chance to in a way yeah, that I think consistently exactly. works. Yeah, I guess the last thing that I wanted to talk about in the 70s before we move on into the wonderful 80s uh, yeah. that I have a lot to say about uh, is the Tully-Sean thing, right? When, when Tully and Sean lose their virginity to each other. I mean, yeah. well, you know, in, in properly lose their virginity right, to each other. Right. And I'm curious if, I mean, that was, for me, a huge surprise. I wasn't expecting that at all. But I personally found that to be really touching and sort of beautiful that they found a way to kind of, you know, get through this experience with each other because they loved and trusted each other, even if they weren't like romantically interested in each other, or even really sexually attracted to each other. I found that to be a really interesting thing that I was not prepared for this show to tackle, but I thought they did it beautifully. I agree. And I really liked the sort of undercurrent of friendship between Sean and Telly. You know, I, I feel like I wish they explored it more because I think it's kind of an interesting fertile ground for the show to, to develop, but um, yeah, I felt that it was a really clever way, I think, for both of them to, I don't, clever might be the right word, but it's a really, like, heartwarming way for both of them to kind of, like, process their own um, insecurities, their own problems and issues, and just kind of, like, be with people who they can trust. Neither of them wants anything from the other, so it's like, there's no manipulation, there's not, it's non-transactional, it's like, like, it also had nothing to do with Kate, you know? Yeah. Like, when you hear, like, okay, Tully slept with Kate's brother, it's like, well, okay, is this some sort of, like, thing with Kate? But it actually has nothing to do with her. And she's, like, surprisingly okay with it. Like, obviously, when she first learns it, like, at least Karen is telling it to her in, like, the <laughs> least opportune moment and just to, like, dig the knife in deeper. But, like, once that the passions of that moment fades like she's completely fine with it in a way that i was really surprised by and yeah. it seems like it doesn't really when tully says like like she's like oh well we could be sisters now and then she's like no i don't like him like that and she's like okay and then it's like that's it like there's nothing yeah really more to it which is which is both kind of cool but also so kate which is like well don't you want to find out a little bit more about this experience no you're just like so in your own your own world you don't really care yeah yeah <laughs> It's like she shouldn't be mad about it but like she should like i don't know be like well what what was the motivating factor for this like why did you do this let's talk about it i mean yeah i feel like if the two people who i'm very close to in my life had some sort of relationship i'd want to at least have some sort of curiosity about what that's like yeah you know but i also felt like did you find that they really like overdid the sibling rivalry between sean and kate like, the way they insult each other all the time. I don't know. I didn't have that kind of relationship with my sister. Yeah. So. It feels very kind of, sitcom-y. like, sitcom kids, yeah. you know? Which I think is sometimes what that, especially that 70s and, right, and the right. 80s plotline kind of lean into, those, yeah. like, the sitcom tropes. So I think that that's kind of, I just I just coded it as that. And I was just like, well, yeah. we're just, we're doing this because of the, the genre of storytelling we're in. And sure. it just has to be overly broad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But um, but yeah, so that was the 70s, and I think it's time for us to dive headfirst into 
the eighties where we gratefully got out of that um that uh, network news set a couple of more times this season than last season which i appreciated because i don't know about you but i find that network news set to be so claustrophobic it's like yeah, there's right. no windows it's all it's clearly just like a sound stage it's just like it's so like the walls are coming closing in on us i just like yeah. imagine that it smells <laughs> bad like i don't know <laughs> yeah for sure um i definitely agree with that i was i, I liked seeing their apartment together and uh yeah i don't know it felt like the 80s the memory i take from the 80s was just like kate is just so infatuated with johnny that there's such like chaos that like happens around her and she doesn't even notice what's happening yeah and like so i wanted to be generous to her because this is the first time she's ever really had this sort of connection and and she's young i mean she's not that young you know she's not 19 she's like 25 in this in this storyline so she shouldn't be as, you know, um, self-indulgent and uh, just, like, self-obsessed as she is throughout most of her relationship with Johnny in the 80s. Um, but I, I but I wanted to just be like, well, this is the first time she's going through this. So she's it's a little bit of a rested development situation, I guess. Yeah. But, but it was still really obnoxious. I don't know. Like, when she's just, like, giggling on the phone when, when Tully's trying to talk to her and she just can't get Johnny to leave her alone because she doesn't want him to leave her alone. I'm just like, Kate, come on. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I felt like Kate, throughout the whole season, kept saying things like, oh, I'm more in love with you than you are with me. Or, like, like basically, like she's putting Johnny on such a pedestal. And it's like, I don't know, I found that to be really obnoxious. <laughs> Yes, and um, I think at one point, like, he, like, literally yells at her for doing yeah. that, like, once they've been reunited in the 2000s, and it's, like, fair, because that's such a toxic thing to inject into a relationship, and I know that it's coming from her own insecurity, but that's no excuse for it, like, that's just such a, it's it's just so toxic, you can't approach a relationship that way. Well, the thing's, like, Kate acts like she's, like, this, like, the mousy you know, shy girl who finally landed the, like, prom king. Like, that's her whole vibe in this whole relationship. In all of her relationships, she's like, oh, my God, I'm the, like, you know, the, like, uh, the nerdy girl who got the guy. But then she gets mad when people imply that she's the nerdy girl who got the hot guy, and it's like, well, you act like that. Like, of course, Lottie is picking up, everyone's picking up on that vibe between the two of you, because that's how you act around him. Like, it's so... um, and I, I, you know, I actually came to like Johnny a little bit better this season than I did last season. And I think it's because, like, I think he's showed a lot of self-awareness in dealing with Kate and, like, how she acts around him. And um, I think I especially liked how, you know, they came up on this, like, conflict about, like, kids and marriage and how he didn't really kind of cave for her. <laughs> he just, yeah. I mean, he did eventually, but I, he came to that on his own, I think. Um so I appreciated that. And um, but yeah, I don't know. I found it to just be so. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just it was um, just kind of like to me, it's kind of like the whole season was just about how Kate just gets wrapped up in her own story, in her own life. Mm-hmm. And then um, like some, some, something we talked about off mic is like she needs to ask herself why the people in her life don't really trust her with anything. Yeah. You know, like, Telly doesn't, I mean, Telly tries to trust her, Johnny tries to trust her, but uh, her daughter tries, but she gets all caught up in her own feelings. I don't think she notices the people around her. It's true. And I mean, I don't think that this shows, I don't think that this season's point was to try to make us dislike Kate to prepare for where that character might be headed. Uh, (laughs) But I think it kind of did that 
for me. It, I had a really hard time empathizing with her at various points because she just so is inside her own head in a way that yeah. is just like really frustrating for the people around her. And and there's a way in which I can kind of almost relate to that in a certain way. Like she's yeah. like my, my my shadow self, you know, who I who I fear that I might be um, on my worst day. <laughs> but I don't know if the show really is. I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think the show is purposely trying to interrogate her character or do you think that they kind of stack the deck against her a little bit too much? I think they thought they were interrogating her character, but I definitely agree they stacked the deck against her a bit. You know, especially when, like the scene that you mentioned earlier where Tully's calling her because she, you know, bailed her mother out of jail and she, like, can't even talk on the phone because she's, like, giggling with Johnny and stuff. Like, you know, to me, like... I was like, okay, this might be like this, like one episode. This is like the like the theme of the episode. But I felt like it just kept happening, and I felt like they, in yeah. some way, maybe this is like Captain Heigl as a producer. Maybe she was like, <laughs> I can't be less liked than Sarah Chong. <laughs> but I definitely think that like maybe the setup was the, like to really interrogate the character, stack the deck against her, so that you know when the reveal happens in the last episode, we feel sympathy and empathy for her. Which I mean, I did, you know. Yes, yeah. And, and I, I love Sarah Chalk. I think I she's such Sarah a great Chalk. performer, and I think that she anything that's likable about that character in this season is entirely thanks to her. Yeah, Sarah Chalk is very funny. She's very likable. She's very charming. I don't think she handles the dramatic moments as well as Catherine Heigl does. Like Catherine Heigl, I think does an incredible job across the board, but I think Sarah Chalk really shines in the more funny moments. But uh, I mean, that's yeah, you know, that's that's your bread and butter, like from Scrubs and How I Met Your Mother and stuff. Um, uh huh. So, uh, I don't know, it's an interesting character thing, because I wonder what part two of the season is going to look like with Kate, you know? So I think they'll have to do some damage control. Yeah, well, I think that there's going to be a lot of humility in in her arc moving forward, which would definitely help us uh, kind of... Because that's something she doesn't have a lot in this season. But yeah, I mean, that's the the Kate and Johnny relationship is a huge part of the 80s storyline, right? We see them fully. We've spent a whole season in this will they, won't they, which is still kind of bizarre because it's like we know that they will. So like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> but but we have none of that here. Instead, they're like really in the thrall of each other's like uh, sexual uh, desires, right? Uh, there's that weird storyline where Johnny finds out that Kate was a virgin when they had sex for the first time and then he gets all weird about it which i definitely have seen in other tv shows and movies before if not in real life so i guess that's a thing that happens i don't know um but yeah <laughs> but i did like i didn't love that storyline but i did like the way that they kind of mirrored that sequence in the 1980s with the sequence in the 2000s where they're bo- they're going to those hot springs for entirely different reasons and having very different conclusions yeah. Um, as a result, I really did like that um, construction. That was them kind of playing with the timelines in a way that really amplified what was going on on screen, which I liked. Yeah, yeah. I also like that they really took time to bring Kate and Johnny back together after their divorce. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, the one part I found Kate really endearing and compelling is when she's like urging Johnny to, to get help with his PTSD. Yeah, uh, because I felt like, you know, a pushover Kate would just kind of accept it and just be like, I can change him. But I like that she <laughs> kicks him out. And uh-huh. I think that's the push that he needs to get help is that like he can't just push her around anymore. Like he has to like because I, I never I don't know. Did you feel that Kate and Johnny were just destined to get back together? Or was that kind of a surprise for you? I mean, it does take almost the whole season to happen. 
Yeah, I didn't really know which direction they would go. It seemed like the either option was on the table, and I think I would have been okay with either option. Yeah. You know, like I think that there's like they definitely have this connection that's real, and I mean, you know, they have a family together, so that connection will always be there. But I could see them being functional exes in, yeah. a, in another world, and that being okay with both of them, and that that they could kind of be free of some of the worst parts of their relationship by doing that and moving on. But I also see what brings them back together. And by the time that they do get back together, it feels earned, you know? Yeah, yeah. My yeah, my thing would just be that, like, it would be good for Kate to see Johnny, like, date someone else. and for, Because it's not like she's, like, hurting for suitors, you know? I mean, she has that British yeah. guy in the 80s. She has the musician in the 2000s. Like, I don't think they're trying to sell Kate as, like, this, like, ugly duckling. But I do think that she thinks of herself that way. But... Yeah. Um, it would be, I think it'd be healthy for her to see Johnny like in a healthy relationship with another woman, just so that she can maybe take him off the pedestal. Um, maybe that woman like shouldn't have been Charlie or Lottie, but oh my god, <laughs> um, we need to get into the Charlie to, to have them be functional exes because I think that's a good dynamic for them. But I also think that like it's good that they got together after he got help. They took some time apart to like grow and develop and. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of Charlie slash Lottie, did you see her as like a viable threat to the relationship or? No, not at all. Like, I didn't think that that was like. no interest in her, right? Yeah, not not at any point in time. Like, she clearly wanted to be with him in both in both eras, but he never seemed like he cared about her. To me, they were kind of like if they hadn't wanted to get together, it would have happened. Like if he had wanted to get together with her or even just sleep with her, it would have happened already because like they were so close together. But I also felt like Kate never really stood up for herself because, like, and also Johnny never stood up for Kate either because, like, the things she was saying to Kate, I'm like, there's no way to not hear that the most viciously probably. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was like, I don't understand why all these people are just standing around while Kate is getting like <laughs> thrown. It in. really felt like the show just didn't trust its audience in that in those right. moments where it was like right. you could have had her be more subtle in yeah, the digs right. that she was giving and it would have yeah. played much better but they were just like well we need to make sure that they know that she's being rude just yeah. like yeah but now everyone knows that she's being rude and <laughs> now everyone I'm else looks rude <laughs> i did love lottie but i didn't feel for her the way that i felt for lisa karen like i didn't feel any empathy for her no so. well i mean part of it is lisa karen is like literally a, a teenager no, I know, and I know. <laughs> <laughs> this True. is a full-grown woman like we meet her when she's in her 20s and then yeah. again when she's in her 40s <laughs> and she's just a toxic person so <laughs> yeah it's like it's a lot easier to cut slack to it to well, a child <laughs> why, let me just think that at the fourth of july party when charlie falls in the pool or like kate's like pushes her down or whatever i kind of like that charlie just kind of like brushes it off and laughs it off yeah. And Kate, like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean it. Because it's kind of like, I think Charlie, like, in a different scenario, could just be this, like, amazingly, like, you know, go with the flow person who, like, wouldn't really get, like, phased by something like that. Whereas Kate gets so embarrassed all the time uh-huh. and she's so, like, unsure of herself. And I'm like, I would love to see what Charlie is like outside of this triangulation. Yeah, I definitely think that, like, Johnny brings out the worst in her, probably, or or specifically Kate and brings out the worst in her, because I think she's actually pretty sweet with Johnny himself. Like, I think it's like her her desire to be with Johnny just like just 
causes her to have this like vindictive streak that she just projects onto Kate in a way that is just it feels like that's not who she is it feels like that's like a the dormant part of her personality that was yeah. developed in the 80s that she just like can't help but regress into when she's around right. these people and right. to that I say like get away from these people you know live your yeah. life Charlie right. <laughs> well I have to ask you uh did you wish there was some kind of confrontation between Lottie and Kate or Lottie and Johnny Fourth of July party was kind of it, but they don't really see how much of her after that. Yeah, I don't know what that would have looked like in a way that would be satisfying. Like yeah. her being thrown into the pool, I I still don't really even totally understand the choreography of that <laughs> sequence. Like I don't yeah. know what happened or why. But I was like, that's fine, I guess. I don't like I don't think that actually having an argument with her would have really felt yeah satisfying. And yeah. I think that um, you know, I think Johnny never cared enough about her to sit her down and be like i don't love you i love kate like that wouldn't have like if they played the emotions of that in like a melodramatic way i don't think that would have really felt earned either because i just don't think we had enough time to understand what was even going on with them in the present day storyline yeah you know? yeah well what about some kind of reconciliation where they like come to terms and they can like move on together i think that what we got from them was when he's like i don't like i'm like don't they have a scene in the car or something where she says that she loves him but then he doesn't say it back right i think or something so. like that i yeah. think that was as much Sounds resolution right. as i needed yeah i think like she gets the message i think at that point yeah and that that was enough for me right and this show just has too many things going on you know yeah <laughs> but there's a whole other piece to the 80s that we haven't gotten into at all which is the tully and danny of it all and oh, i'm really yeah. curious how that storyline worked for you I like them a lot together. You know, I like that in the 80s, it's like this, you know, very like screwball comedy, you know, like hate to love kind of thing. Um, and that they're both like exactly the same. And they're both like competitive. They're both ambitious. They're both cutthroat in a way. And so that that's why they clash. But that's also why they are attracted to each other. But I also like that he comes back in the 2000s and like they have a much more like healthy friendship and that there's like attraction there. But I was kind of waiting for them to act on their attraction in the 2000s, but I'm glad that they didn't. Or at least, I guess maybe it's being saved for the next part of the season. But yeah, yeah. In the 80s, I, I liked that a lot. And, um, you know, I liked that they had this, like, flirty dynamic. And that um, I was curious what you thought about their, like, kind of competition for the anchor job and how he, like, pulls out for another job because it's like... Um, do you find that to be condescending to her, or do you like, or, like, do you wish that like she had been able to get that job like completely on her merit without him backing out? Well, I like how it's played in this in the episode because we get this kind of ambiguity of like, well, what's going? Did he pull out just because he loves her so much, yeah. and like she kind of takes that in and really appreciates that, but that doesn't feel right. And so then, and then you find out, no, that's not what it is. He's actually leaving. He got a better job someplace else. And so I think that, and then she has to tackle the fact that he's leaving and like deal with the emotions of that so i think that the way that it ends up like as a storytelling uh tool i think it is well utilized uh would i have liked to see her win and get that job on her own yeah of course i think though that he probably in the 1980s he probably posed a pretty tough competition with her and it would yeah. be probably like almost a a bit of a wish fulfillment situation to be like yeah she would have gotten it over him because like that was a totally different time in the industry and you know the show is not exactly going for verisimilitude it's not like broadcast <laughs> news you know right. but 
I do think that they are trying to tackle the sexism in in that industry a little bit with Tully's character and the types of things that she would have had to have, um, you know, yeah. go. And I think it's probably true that, like, you need a couple of things to break your way in a, right. in, a, in a way like this for it to have. So I, I think all of that worked. Um, and I and I liked I would have liked it a lot less if Danny actually pulled out because he loved her and was like, you're the better person for this. Like, I think that would have been too much. Yeah. But the fact that it's like actually pretty tragic that he gets this other job and he has to go across country and and then i love the detail in the 2000s when they reconnect and he says like you know we you lived in new york for a long time you never looked me up at all like why didn't you like we could have you know and the implication is like we could have maybe gotten back together we could have had something like and she couldn't let herself go back there because she was just you know because the, the that's that's classic Tully right like she clearly knew that if she was going to be with him she would have been emotionally vulnerable again and she can't handle the rejection that yeah. she's afraid of when if she's that emotionally vulnerable so instead she's lives a life of glamorous luxury and isolation that makes her feel depressed when there's literally a person who she who she loves like just down the street that she can't that she won't let herself uh, have. And I and I kind of wish that we got a second episode set in the 90s that explored that a little bit more. Because yeah. I think there's so much there, like from a dramatic perspective, that you could have really exploited. Because it's, it's really kind of a beautiful exploration of who that character is, you know? Yeah, yeah, I really agree with you on that. Um, and I think it really does a lot to enrich Tully's character and kind of show, like... There's one part where she's talking to Cloud about how, like, her fear of men and how it's not just, like, her sexual assault, but it's just comes from something deeper. And I like that, you know, she's so scared to show that vulnerability with Danny, even though she clearly wants to. And I think part of it is, like, yeah, I think she's definitely hurt that he never reached out to her again, but that she also was too hurt and scared to reach out to him. Um, And... um, yeah, and well, speaking of like the sexism, like talk like there's a focus group episode, and that of course leads to the fire in the office. Like, what did you think of that whole subplot or that that episode? I was honestly a little bit surprised by it, just because I feel like this show does like the promise of this show is that it's gonna make me feel good at the end of each episode, right? Yeah. And um, the whole focus group thing was like, oh, like they're actually bringing in some real world like shittiness that yeah. Tully can't really do anything about, right? Like, you can't really happily resolve that at the end of the episode. That's just a part of what her life is going to be like. And I appreciated it, but it was a little bit surprising to me um, that they went there. But I'm glad that they did, because I think that that's important. If you're really tracking this person on her career and you want us to take it seriously, you do need to kind of see that aspect of it. Now, in terms of it causing a fire and Kate getting fired and all of that stuff, I, that was a little bit too, like, Three's Company for me, I think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't really believe that this is where we were headed and that, like, right. Kate just, like, happily quits her job as a result. Like, she gets fired, but she's basically quitting, you know? It's like, didn't you care about this? And then she's like, no, I never cared about this. This was just a job for me. And it's like, really? I don't feel like that tracks with what we learned before now. Like, this, I feel like you're kind of letting Tully off a little bit easy. And I know the whole point of it, ultimately, is to set up this idea for the audience and like neon letters like Tully doesn't apologize Tully doesn't admit when she's wrong so that way when she does later in the season that like it's supposed to make an impact but I don't know I feel like they played that a little bit I think <laughs> a little the, bit too broad thing, yeah well the thing that, that interests me though is like you know, we talk about sexism and like I kind of wonder like you know Johnny's like hey you're on thin ice already they're looking for reason to fire you 
Um, and I wonder, like, if Tali were a man and had that happen, I don't think, like, it's truly an accident. Like, you know, it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, it happens and you probably, it shouldn't have happened and you're smarter than that, but it happens. And I wonder, like, if Johnny had did that or Danny had done that, like, if uh, if the boss would have been so, like, okay, you have to get fired for this dumb mistake. Yeah. And yeah, like as uh, like the yeah. anchor of the and she's like a weekend anchor, I guess. So it's not like yeah. she's like leading the five o'clock news. But yes, she's she should have a level of status that would protect her from that sort of yeah. thing at that point. But I wonder if like, the yeah. picture that Kate presents, honestly, like she absolutely should have gotten fired. Like she's having sex in the office with her with her boyfriend and then burnt the house down. Like that that anybody <laughs> man or woman would have gotten fired for that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kate's professionalism is really called into question a lot. I'm like, she's getting <laughs> high. She's like, well, at least that know, was an accident. That was an accident. Okay, fine. But like, um, <laughs> I mean, it's the '80s too. So, but I'm like, you know, she like flirting with Johnny all the time. Like, she's bringing so much of her personal life into the office. Um, yes. But yeah, I think um, it's like if I'm supposed to be- if I'm supposed to feel bad that Kate lost her job because of Telly, it's like. Again, it's like I think maybe they are stacking the deck against too much against her because I'm like, the whole scene is Telly being like, no, it's my fault, fire me instead, you know. Yeah. Well, also like Kate keeps saying how like she wants to be a wife and mother. Was that really a thing in season one? That that was like. I don't the main remember thing? that. I feel like being she was just as ambitious to be a producer and writer in season one. In season two, it suddenly becomes like she's happy to quit her job so she can just like be focus on becoming a wife. Yeah, because season one, I feel like a lot of the tension in the kind of cross, like cross decade storytelling is the idea of like we're seeing her getting into the news industry, becoming like writing Tully's coattails a bit, but like really trying to get. And then it's like in the modern time, it's like she's trying to reestablish her career now that she's divorced and everything else. And this season just completely just ditches that storyline completely. It's like she doesn't care. She technically starts working for Tully with the documentary, but like that's literally just Tully throwing her a bone because she wants her around. Well, there's even a part where um, that guy, what's his name? Dwayne? No. Derek? The, um, The sound guy? Oh, yeah, Derek sounds right. That might be yeah. the name. Um, the only names I remember on the show are Cloud, Johnny, Tully, Kate, and Marla. <laughs> Everyone else's name I don't remember. Or maybe it's um, Calvin? Maybe it's Calvin, Calvin, something like that. Um, like, even he's like, oh, it's so cool that you're, like, producing this. She's like, it's nothing. And yeah. right in front of Tully, and I'm like, girl, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not nothing. I mean, she could have, like, Tully has the power to hire anyone. She's hiring you, like, she I think I don't think of it as like her being like condescending. Like Kate at the end is like, oh, you only hired me because you wanted me around. I never got that feeling. I mean, that's part of it, but I always felt like it was like, I don't know, she has the power to do so and she wants, she thinks you're good. So, like, why not? You know? Yeah, Tully has a hit blog at this point. <laughs> she can hire any producer she wants in the industry. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that is kind of like a part of what this season is exploring is this weird sort of you know, a uh, negative self-image that Kate has where she just insists on being the low status member of all of the important relationships in her life, which I think is definitely a real thing that people do. Um, and yeah. it's, it's so in that way, that actually makes her a much more interesting character to me. But it also mm-hmm. makes her a very frustrating character to watch, I think. Well, it's funny, like, Charlie has that line of, like, oh, I thought I was a Kate, but I turned out I was a Tully. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of a... You know, awful way to like frame a friendship and also like your yeah. own life as if you're like 
you know, it's not like you're like on the carrier on the Samantha. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I know they're TV characters as but like Charlie, they're real people. It's like, you know, but I'm also like, I feel like Kate gets mad at that or she finds that off-putting, but it's like she's internalized that her whole life. And I don't yeah. think Tully ever saw her that way. No, I don't think Tully ever saw her that way because Tully doesn't see herself that way. So she yeah, could exactly. possibly see Kate in that way either. But that because is definitely. I think Kate has what Tully, I think, wants, you know, is that like she has a loving family. You know, she uh, she's able to like be open and vulnerable with Johnny. She has a child. I mean, I don't think I don't think Tully's like, oh, I want a child. But I think like in I guess in her own like Kate has everything that she wants in her life, at least what she says she wants. Whereas like Tully's always striving for the next thing. Yeah. Um, and so I can imagine that like they both have this like envy of each other. And I think I think Tully even mentions being envious of Kate and Kate kind of like brushes that off. But I think it's in the 90s when they're in New York, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, I think Kate is kind of like, what? But you're rich and glamorous. But I'm like, you can easily see that like Tully is filling this void with this glamorous. Yeah, she looks light. like the saddest little girl in New York, yeah. you know, like it's <laughs> exactly. like... But yeah, it's, it is interesting because she has this dynamic with both Johnny and Tully, these like two of the most important people in her life for yeah. her entire life, right? The two main relationships that she has. And in both of them, she's cast herself as the low status member and the other person is put on this pedestal. And like it's not reflective of how the other person sees Tully or sees Kate. And it just, yeah, I think it it is interesting that the show takes that seriously and exposes the way that that can create these fissures in the relationship that ultimately will explode when you put enough pressure on it. And then yeah. and then they give Kate the opportunity to reconcile with Johnny, um, but then she can't reconcile with Tully, at least not by the end of the season. So it's curious to see where that's headed. I mean, it seems pretty clear where that's headed, but we'll get into that in a few minutes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, wrapping up the Tully and Danny thing, are you hoping that they get together in the modern era like they're they clearly have a relationship that is more intimate than exes should but Part of me is the, like, his girlfriend sees it and is completely fine with it in a way that like suggests that she has a lot of confidence in their relationship which i liked i like that they don't play the jealousy angle but yeah. that does suggest that that she's getting something from danny that tully that she knows tully can't get and that is interesting i think i think it's more interesting to me if they don't get together and they have this friendship because I think it's also good for Telly to have like a stable relationship like like a stable couple in her life that she can like be friends with and um can rely on you know I, I actually hope yeah. that like they develop that little that friendship between Danny and god what's her name Serena Sabrina so uh... Sorry. I don't know anyone's <laughs> names except for Danny and Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> um, something and with an S, I think, or yeah. maybe it's Celeste. Who knows? Um, but I, I, I want to see like that dynamic play out more, more than I want to see her get back together with Danny. Because I also think that like with Danny, they have that like competition thing. I think it's like less so now, but I think it's more interesting to see her have like a, another like healthy friendship. And um, you know, maybe in part two she can you know, meet another guy and just open her. Because I also think that's, like, still a little too messy for my taste for her to get back together with someone she dated in the 80s who is going to leave someone for her. And yeah. I, if I want Telly to be in a healthy relationship, I want it to be with someone that's, like, no baggage, no history, no drama. Um, that she can but just, maybe she uh, needs a person who knew her back then so that way true. she could really be vulnerable true. with them, you know? Well, probably still single, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I, I agree with that too. I definitely agree with that. But um, I don't. Know, we'll see. I think I, I think I'd be happy if they got together because I like Danny a lot and I like their chemistry. So I'd be happy either way. But I think my preference would be for her to develop a strong friendship with him and not cross any boundaries um, and get together with someone who is fresh in her life. Yeah, I do hope that that's the case. I'm curious, you know, we talked a little bit about, like, did we think that Charlie in this in the 2000s was a good, viable, you know, counter to the Kate and Johnny relationship, right? Like, could she be a love interest on her own? Yeah. What did you think about the British guy in the 80s? Do you think that he was viable as a as a Johnny uh, alternative? No. I like, mean, <laughs> I think he wasn't played by anyone famous. This is true. And he's almost too perfect for her. And also, like, it uh, feels weirdly fetishistic that, like, she dates another guy with an accent, right? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, oh, are yeah. you really engaging with her, him as a person in this No, situation? I think she, she's doing the same thing with, with him that she did with Johnny, except it's almost worse because, like, he's telling her all the things that she would want to hear. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's being manipulative. I, I mean, I think that's generally him, but I think that, like... In some ways, if they were that relationship were to last, they were to get married, I think she'd be like he doesn't challenge her the way that Johnny challenged her. Like she had to do some growing up to break up with Johnny the first time and to get back together with him and then to marry him and then divorce him. Like, you know, she had to like really develop emotionally to to kind of go through all these things with Johnny. I feel like that guy was almost too perfect to really challenge her in that way and make her go through all this development. And growth. Yeah, he was blandly perfect, like on yeah. paper kind of way yeah. that just makes you know, like, well, this guy is a chump. He's never going to be with her. And like, we've never heard about him before. Yeah. You know? So, like, I mean, I understand shows, like, they come up with new storylines, but like, you know, I felt like if it, if it was more of a substantial romance, we would have heard about it. I agree. But now, are you glad that she ended up going on that trip with him? Because they certainly made it seem like she was going to at the last minute bail and like they were going to get back. She was going to get back with Johnny and they were going to have this big dramatic moment. Yeah, and instead yeah, she, literally, think, she takes Tully's advice and she goes to Europe. Yeah, I think that that's really maybe I'll come back in, in, in the next in the next season and we'll see more of that dynamic play out. But I'm glad she went because I mean, she deserves to have fun. And like, like I said, it's like good for Kate to like see Johnny with someone else. I think it's also good for her to be with someone else, just to like make Johnny more of a real person. Like if she's able to like reject Johnny for someone else, then like he's less on a pedestal. I mean, it doesn't quite work because she still puts him on a pedestal, but yeah, um, at least she's able to like talk to someone else and she's not so hung up on him. Like I felt like it could have been easy for her just to like you know brush off her own wants and needs just to stay with Johnny. And, like, hope that he would, like, like with the PTSD thing, like, she could just hope that he would, like, change his mind for her if she yeah. stuck with him. But she doesn't. She breaks up with him and tries to date other people, so. Yeah, I think ultimately why, I think ultimately why the British thing doesn't, the British guy doesn't really work for me is that I think it really isn't about Kate and her development. It's about Johnny. Like, yeah, his re- like his relationship with, British guy's relationship with Kate it functions in the story to convince Johnny of his feelings and right, to make right. Johnny decide to change. It has yeah. really weirdly nothing to do with Kate and her arc, which yeah. is kind of strange. But I think it's because they can't make her evolve in the 80s because we need that that character development to happen in the 2000s when they're like divorced and working on their way back to each other, right? Like you identified. So it's they kind of don't let her get that character development there so that way she could have it later. Um, and it ultimately makes a story about her moving on all about Johnny, which kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's true. 
Um, I did like the idea. <laughs> He's like, oh, contact, emergency contact. Then you think of contact lenses. <laughs> yeah, that was. That was... <laughs> <laughs> would that have would that have warmed your heart? Would that have caused no, you to but not it's go cute. to? You know, I mean, I, I like a good pun, but um, I'm sure. glad that Kate would have fallen for that. So I'm glad she didn't hear it. I I like that like. Tully is like that is if he really cared he wouldn't be playing the like he wouldn't be coming up with something so cheap and stupid and immature and then like you cut to him later and he basically says the exact same thing like even though no one's there to hear it anymore (laughs) (laughs) and then you know I mean we've been talking in and out about the the present day timeline uh, throughout this episode but there are some things that happen like exclusively that we haven't hit like for instance uh, you know, Tully's viral sensation. You know, she's become a gay icon, which we love to see. Then we love what to she see was it. always destined to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the biggest thing is, you know, Mara, who for a while is just like not present on the show at all. And it was like, oh, maybe they wrote her out because she was a boring character that nobody liked. But then yeah. she kind of comes up, comes back in a big way in the second half of the season. Uh, she likes girls now. And I feel like that was entirely designed to make me care about her more. And I like really didn't want to give the show that, but I, yeah. <laughs> against my better judgment, <laughs> it, it made me care about her. Right. Uh, and I thought that her like relationship with the girl that is completely off screen that we like never see that girl, which is really funny to me. Oh, that's um, true. Wow. <laughs> I think, I think it like works well because it lets us completely just like see that girl through her eyes completely, yeah. you know? So we get to think of her as like, maybe this really cool interesting girl who she actually could have a future with and then as soon as she starts acting like a total dick then you could be like well she's actually terrible and a monster like she never actually gets to be a person which weirdly works for this storyline but yeah like what did you think about the you know Mara coming out and how that helped kind of Sean come out to his parents yeah life and all that stuff I mean again like with I wish that there was more the way they handled it they made it all about the parents Yes, (laughs) because it's all about like you know, let her come out to you and stuff, and which I appreciate that. Um, But then it's also like, you know, it was. I mean, it's good to see Johnny kind of like get mad at Kate for just like not following that plan. Like not even for like one day she followed it. Like literally twenty minutes later, she's like talking with Indigo Girls. Um, But I did like that self reflection where like. at that dinner with with the with her own parents, she's like, yeah. am I just like my mother?" <laughs> I thought that was yeah. funny. She's like, "Is this what I sound like?" And <laughs> yeah. you're like, "Yes." And she's like, "Oh then, no!" Like, like she's genuinely horrified by that. <laughs> then I guess like then like she's out to her parents then, right? Yes. Because it's like there's no like coming out, but they all kind of know. Um. So it, I I guess I kind of like that it was very like low key. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It didn't feel that like. I felt like a very minor twists or minor like development like i don't i feel like it wouldn't have been that different if it had just been a boy you know yeah i think that it was just like we literally don't have any personality type for this character like she has nothing like she's just a in this in season one she was just like broadly mad at her mom because her parents were getting divorced and that was her entire personality and i don't think that would have been sustainable especially in this context where that's not really what the status quo is you know it's a lot more complicated so then like we need something for her to do. So I guess she's gay now. And it's like, okay. 
the part where I think that it worked was the sort of ambiguity of whether that girl that she liked actually liked her at all. Like, obviously, you can have that with a boy, right? Do you want to be friends or do you not want to be friends? But I think there's, yeah. like, a level of there's like a level higher of confusion around it when it's like, is this person even a possible, like, is this person queer or not? Like, I think as a teenager, especially like I definitely found myself in situations like that and where it's like, does this person want to be from a friend? Could there be a romantic situation? Are they making me think yeah. that they might be queer just so that right, way they can get right. attention? So I think that that definitely they played, that was like a, you know, we talk about this over and over again, right? There's, this show can be very broad and very big, but then every once in a while it decides to tell some like very specific human story that actually right. is like very well observed. Yeah, and I think right. that is an example of that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do appreciate that. And it, but again, it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, that could have been its own episode, and yeah. that could have been like if they had brought Ashley into the into the into the show, that could have been an interesting dynamic. But like again, it's kind of like all off screen kind of or yeah. at least like you know i felt like kind of like the way that i was kind of like writing kate's arc i'm kind of like feeling that kind of writes mara's arc for her in a way that's not just there on the page mm-hmm. and like i get you know for me it's like i want to give this show a lot of the, a lot of credit because i think it's like you're saying like it can be really nuanced and subversive when it wants to be but i don't know it just didn't quite work for me on that level i think my concern is that like it just felt like it was thrown in there just to get like as you're saying just to give mara like a little storyline for herself yeah but then it also kind of like doesn't really give a lot of meat to the story in the sense of like ashley just like really betrays mara in a way that is very like shocking and upsetting and yeah mara just kind of brushes it off you know in a way that it's like they don't give the time to mara to like kind of like process that and it's like we threw in this like huge development in their relationship and then just kind of like don't really acknowledge it and said put all the blame on telly for it yeah um which like okay i mean we can get into it but i just felt like it just kind of like it felt a little cheap to me to like kind of have this yeah, well, cause character that by, is so well, by that time the show just has no time for right. that right because it has to be about kate and tully by the by then yeah like we're, exactly. we're in the end game we've been building up to this for literally almost two full seasons so it just doesn't have time to deal with the mara and ashley of it all but then it's like well maybe don't let that be what's happening then because it does really make mara have like just she gets so minimized through all of it and like there's a chance that that might get picked up in the second half of the yeah, season you know but but I could also see them not doing it at all because they did kind of say like, well, she's I'm not ever talking to her again. She's dead to me. It's like, OK, it's like, but that's not like we didn't go on that journey with you as the right. audience. We're just <laughs> hearing like the, the the conclusion that you came to. Like, OK. Yeah. Um. So and it is like a crazy thing that this girl did to poor Mara, like just insane. Like I like making her feel like they were going on a date and then just like making them go to a frat party and then abandoning her at the party. Like what the hell is wrong? Like that's like sociopathic behavior. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's sociopathic behavior. It's something that no one could predict would happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I let, let, let's like, let's just get into it. I think you and I have all very pro telly. Now I'm embarrassed to admit that I've been on the Firefly Lane subreddit and <laughs> it there's pretty split. I think for a while, there was a lot of a lot of pro telly posts, um, but then all the pro Kate people kind of came out of the woodwork and were like, "Hey, wait, let's put it calm down." You know, I I think what kind of pisses me off the most about this is that I think Mara just gets used as like another quote unquote example of t- Kate cleaning up t- Telly's messes 
when like throughout the whole season I felt like that was hardly ever the case yeah you know and to like to utilize Mara in this sense in this like totally convoluted plot development of like you know Mara's grounded but then Tally lets her go to the movies but then she gets taken to a party and then she gets abandoned and then she gets assaulted there it's like so much is happening and um I was like, this just isn't something that Tully could have predicted or something that you could blame Tully for. Like, I just don't see the blame for Tully there. Yeah, I mean, there's such a, like, you could definitely see, like, well, she should have called Kate at sure. some point. Yeah. Like, for sure. At first, so before we get into, like, the heart of it, yeah. <laughs> we get a lot of teases to this, to this happening. I'm curious if the teases worked well for you the kind of flashbacks to yeah because a, a crash and like the they slow did the reveal thing where who... it's like first there's a crash then you find out it's tully then you find out that mara was there yeah. so um i i like i mean you know i like a mystery just like with like the father reveal like i like uh-huh. little mysteries like that and like and it wasn't in every episode it wasn't which every i appreciated episode, yeah it was kind of like every few episodes people kind of bring back to it and like the um the pint glass Keychain was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Like the new car that no one wants was a big part of it. So I like the teases. I like that they were very subtly thrown in there. And um, you know, I like the reveal that Mara was involved as well. Yeah. But I think I think it's better than the teases that they did in season one, where it's like yeah. there's a funeral, somebody's dead. It's like that I don't think that this show needs a mystery of death because that just like ratchets the stakes up too high you know so the i think that the a terrible car accident i think that just feels much more this show than yeah. a funeral you know because <laughs> because we don't need to be wondering like oh my god who's dead who died you know like i feel like that's just like and that was bud's funeral right the dad's it was the dad's funeral right, so, right. yeah which then it becomes kind of like well you know i think we were all rooting for it to be johnny for a long time <laughs> right right out but yeah <laughs> But I I listened back to our episode in season, uh, for season one, and so a big thing I, that we yeah. talked about in that episode was how the show constantly built to these, like, red herring conflicts where we keep getting these ideas of, like, oh, here's a huge conflict, and maybe this is why they stop talking. No, it gets easily resolved. Well, then maybe this is why they stop talking. No, it gets easily resolved. So we were saying, like, it's going to have to be something insane for it to actually feel justified that they stop talking because we see them go through so many different things over the course of season one, and there's so many secrets that get exposed and so many of this. And in every single time, like, Kate just forgives Tully like right away without really any conflict and so we were saying like what could they possibly be building to that would feel justified that would feel earned do you think that where we got felt earned um not do we agree with right do we think that it's like (laughs) do we think that this was something that would be a breaking point in a way that uh none of those other things prior to that were um hmm, that's a good question uh i think so because i I think like unlike you know the sean thing or the johnny thing or the like dead body thing unlike all this other stuff i mean the dead body thing is of course way before but like unlike all this other stuff that was the red herrings in the previous season um this is actually like very like life or death and Mm -hmm. you know i think kate you know i guess she's a good mother (laughs) so like she I, i i can see how this would be like something so drastic that it would really kind of bring like it would be the straw that broke the camel's back. So I yeah. definitely think that's that is, you know, because I, I just couldn't imagine anything that like 
relationship-wise that Telly could have done that would have been as dramatic as this, as traumatic as this, I should say. Yeah. Well, do you agree with that, or? I do. I think that making it, if it was a conflict that involved Kate directly, it would, no matter what it was, it would be hard to swallow that that was different from the things that we had seen previously, different enough to end their friendship. But for it to be Tully putting Mara in physical jeopardy, right? That, I think, is something that I can understand just getting, just checking an entirely different box for Kate, right? Yeah. In a way that it's like, I can't just write it off because you almost killed my daughter. Like, that is huge. (laughs) And that is like, and it's almost like not for Kate to forgive because it's something that didn't happen to her. It happened to Mara. But Mara can forgive her because Mara understands the context, but Kate can't because... Uh, she does it because it's just too big of a, you know, it's like, I, I, so all of that makes sense to me. And I do think that they ultimately found an excuse, certainly much better than the excuse that comes up in the book, which I don't know if you remember, but yeah. the excuse in the book, which the show is based off of a book, the reason why they stopped being friends then was because Kate it came on to Tully's show with oh, Mara. Man. Right. And like they thought that it was going to be like, wow, we're doing an expose about how what a great mom you are. And then it turns out like, no, it's all about how Mara doesn't trust Kate and it like publicly embarrasses her. And uh, and then they stop being friends, which is like Tully would never do that. So Tully like, would I'm, never. She's so much integrity as a journalist. Yeah. Um, yeah and, and it's also a situation where like Kate feels helpless, you know, like. Of course, she can support Mara in her recovery, um, but it's also like, you know, it's that fear of like, what happens when like my child like might die? Like that's so scary. Yeah. And I imagine that like, it's also a situation where Kate can't quite get mad at the person who's actually responsible. Mm-hmm. So she like, I can see she, she's taking it out on. She can't take it out on Mara because that's her. It's you know. It's her child, um, and she can't take she's it out. She's just so glad that she's alive. Right, by the exactly. End of it, so. so it's like, well, the scapegoat has to be Tully. And yeah. to me, that that makes more sense to me than something that like Tully did directly, mm-hmm. like the talk show thing, or like if she stole another, if she like stole Johnny again, or like I don't know, like yeah. set up a date for Johnny and Charlie. Like I just like <laughs> if it's something like that, I just can't see like Kate getting that mad about it because it's like you know she there's really no one to blame directly for this accident I mean I guess there is but like Kate's anger has to go somewhere and Tully feels like the easiest scapegoat well and I think crucially for like the believability of Kate's response to all of this is that Kate is in the dark about the specifics for a long time, right? Yeah. So she, because she doesn't talk to Tully, she only gets information from like the police and from doctors, and presumably she isn't able to talk to Mara about what happens for a long time because Mara is going through surgery and everything else. So Kate is just left with just the the official statement from the police about what Tully was doing, which was she was drunk driving, and there's no other context, and she's like why was she even in the car she was supposed to be home at your place and instead she was drunk with you like what's going on right so and she doesn't get answers for that because she's so like she's just trying to focus on her daughter who's going through surgery this is my big question mark in episode nine because even johnny like when tully goes to the door and johnny answers it he's like you let her go to a fraud party i'm like well what does he know you know and like is mara so unconscious that she can't explain and, you know, they're not talking. I was like, if you just, like, let Tully, like, tell what, like, from her respect what happened, I think 
they might still be mad at her, but I think they wouldn't understand. Um, I think that probably, like, the way that I understood the kind of geography of the events yeah. is that they learn that Tully was driving drunk with right. Mara, and that's what they know for a long time. And that's why they won't talk to Tully to hear what else is going on, because that alone is just like what, like, you, she was right. supposed to be home with you. You guys were out someplace and you were drunk and you were driving her. Like, what the hell was wrong with you? Like, yeah. now she's almost dead. And so by the time that then Mara comes out of surgery and is more conscious and is able to tell her them the story, all they hear is she, you were at a frat party, too. Like, you weren't even supposed to like that. And so that's just adds to the we're mad at Tully for being drunk and driving you around. Yeah. And now it turns out the reason why you guys were in a car was because you were at a frat party. This is like, completely unacceptable. And so that's and they never get to the point of like, you know, by that point, they're so angry and upset that there's just no way that they're going to hear like, well, you know, the story in a way that would be sympathetic to Tully. Right. Because they've yeah. spent hours, maybe even days just doing on the one thing that they knew, which was that she drove her drunk, you know. And I can imagine they're not, they're not even listening to Mara because you know like i'm sure they listen to her tell her story but like not even having that like affect their opinion yeah because you know? they're just they're just so angry at tully it's like well of course you're gonna defend her she's around tully she let you go out but right i'd say the only thing that i really can understand is like yeah driving with alcohol i mean i guess she was arrested because she's over the limit but um i also feel like that kind of situation like doesn't it sober you up like i don't remember i've never been in that situation so i don't know but like yeah the adrenaline will make you feel sober, but yeah. like you still have the alcohol in your system, right? Sure, so like if sure. you pass a blood, like you wouldn't, you would still fail the blood alcohol level, and it right. would still diminish your reaction time and would make it less safe, even if you feel much less yeah drunk okay. than you did when the adrenaline was running. So, um, I mean, so I I definitely appreciate. I mean, I could definitely understand that, and like I would also be mad at her for driving drunk with my kid, especially when like. I mean, this is pre-Uber, but, like, there were definitely other situations. But also, like, I also understand Telly. Like, she's not someone that yes. was going to wait around for another solution. She's going to take action, especially in this kind of scenario. Yeah, where she was like, genuinely afraid for this. It's like, this is the same episode as the dead body, right? Yes. The, yeah, so, like, even in that situation, like, if they had stood for, like, five minutes to think about, they would understand, like, what their options are. But they don't. They just act. Right. And, like, I understand Telly's now, like, in her 40s. Yeah, but, but <laughs> instead that's her, of 15. That's her character. She's always been like that. She's always acted without from instinct. And um, I also appreciate that, like, her apology, like, when she does get to talk to Kate, like, her apology isn't very um, convincing, you know? Yeah. It's very much like, let me just explain. You tell me what, you, what you're the most mad at me about. So, like, while I do think, I do think Kate's being unreasonable, I like that those scenes was a little bit more balanced, in favor yeah. of, it wasn't so at least at first, probably, at first, at least at right? first. yeah by the end of that scene i think there's a sincere apology that is made yeah. that it feels earned yeah. I, what i'll say about this this rift between the two of them is i think that it's completely understandable how kate feels up until that conversation right i yeah. think that it makes sense that she would want some time we don't have a clear understanding of how much time has passed right it's clear that she's not talking to her for a little while but it's unclear whether that's like days or weeks, you know. I would say it's even a few months because Mara seems fine enough that she's like hanging out the house. Like she's not like on bed rest. She's not at the hospital. That's true. Although like how injured was she really is also kind of a it's a little bit ambiguous. Like, like she, she needed broken she, ribs, I think. Yeah, and she needed shoulder surgery, I think, yeah. right? And she had a concussion, so like she got beaten up pretty bad. But like you know, not where she would like be in the hospital for months recovering. Right. 
So I I think that in my in my head it, it's been like about a week or two that they haven't been talking and Kate is just focusing on she's really angry and she just wants to focus on her kid and I I get that and I think that that's reasonable and then even though like not answering someone's phone when they're mad at you is just like such a huge pet peeve of mine I'm just like don't ignore me like just tell me you don't want to talk right now just don't ignore me like that just drives yeah, yeah. me absolutely insane <laughs> um but that's that's a me thing I think uh but so we'll give her that right but then when they have that conversation and she says like and they really do have like this emotional response of like you know I like Kate admits that she misses her and that she loves her and that she wants to forgive her at that point I'm just like so then just start working on forgiving each other for what happened you know like it doesn't have to be all or nothing like you could say like i it's gonna take time to get past this that's okay but that doesn't mean you don't have to be in their life so that's the part where i think kate is wrong at that yeah point, you know? i agree with that and um you know the whole thing about like tully not believing in apologies like i know some people on subreddit are like reading that as if she's never gonna apologize for herself but i think she holds that for other people too like her exact words are like kate and i have such a strong bond there's nothing she could do that would make me not want to be her friend anymore or not love her anymore yeah so like to me it's not just like telly's trying to like avoid apologizing i think she just has that unconditional love for a lot of people in her life including especially kate johnny mara i think even cloud it's up at, at, at this point cloud you know so for her to give that apology and really give it sincerely i think at the end of that is um really really meaningful and i felt that kate was like so close to accepting it and i'm kind of like if you want to forgive someone like what's really stopping you <laughs> like i yeah. just, okay maybe not like today maybe not tomorrow but maybe like you can start to think like you know have that like mentality of like you know tully feels such regret and i think tully blames herself for it for the, even though like you know like i said there's no way for her to predict it like tally's trying to be like the cool fun aunt like it's totally reasonable for her to like allow mara to go to the movie even though she's not allowed like that's just like what yeah. you do as an aunt especially if you're like the friend of the mom not like an actual blood aunt mm -hmm. like when i when my nieces and nephews are old enough and they're grounded at my house I was yeah. like, why not send Mara to her grandmother's house? Like, you know, Tully. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm and like, like I as an uncle, I definitely agree with that. Like, I recently took my sister's kids to the movies, and she was like, they can't get any snacks when they're there. I'm gonna send them with one snack each, and I don't want you to spend money. And then when we got there, my nephew was like, can we have popcorn? I was like, yeah, of course you can have popcorn. Like, yeah, I'm not exactly. gonna not get you popcorn. Just... Like. I think what Tully should have done is driven Mara to the movies and drove her back. Um, yeah, because I think that would have been a good compromise of saying, like, you're being supervised, but right. I'm letting you do this thing. I think that that's probably the way she should have done. Um, and she also but, should not have. And I mean, this kind, kind of comes to the idea of like, well, she's not a parent. So maybe this wouldn't have been something that occurred to her. But if she's watching somebody's kid and they're out, she shouldn't be drinking wine, no matter how yeah, upset she true. is, because you don't know what's going to happen. Like anything can happen. Yeah, you shouldn't true. be drinking. That wouldn't have occurred to me in the moment if I were Tully because I'd yeah. be like look Mara's like Ashley's mom is gonna bring her back and everything's fine and right and that's been where I feel like day, but yeah that's that's a believable thing where like Kate would probably feel very justified in saying you shouldn't have been, if that was what was going if you were letting her out you shouldn't have been drinking and yeah. it's also very believable that Tully who isn't a parent wouldn't think of that right away yeah. right especially because I think Tully either she has a higher tolerance or she thinks she has a higher tolerance I think like one or two glasses of wine would not have like affected her as much yeah but as she, i don't know but i so, but i definitely agree with you that she made a lot of mistakes there um but and i think I, she I also, also 
I think the thing that, like, is probably her biggest mistake, though, is once she gets, like, I think staying on the phone with her because she was so upset and she, like, they were both upset, right? They were both upset that something might happen. So staying on the phone with her while she was driving to Mara, that totally made sense. And so in a world where, like, people don't know what texting is yet, like, I get that you wouldn't send a text message to tell to, to Kate to let her know but I do think that the big thing that she should have done that she didn't do was as soon as Mara gets in the car she should have called Kate and said like look I just this is what happened I'm bringing her home to you because yeah. you know and instead she doesn't she drives home and she's talking to her and everything and then the accident happens and I think that's the mistake yeah for sure yeah like from Kate's perspective she feels like it never even occurred to Tully to tell Kate what was going on and it's like and for Kate she should have been the first phone call right and yeah. it said it never even occurs to her and yeah. that kind of build that that triggers a lot of other latent feelings of resentment and insecurity that Kate has in that relationship which I think yeah. is I think well written I think that's a well written component of the fight yeah I, I agree and I think that I just am kind of like okay you know now that Mara uh, you know it's kind of, maybe this is kind of like unfair to say but like Mara didn't die and like sure she had to go through a recovery period but she seems fine now like at this point like all the hardship is over and Tully's apologizing to you like I think that it's unreasonable that she would continue to like hold this grudge for over a year while also yeah. admitting that she misses Tully and like if you miss her and you're like reaching the phone to talk to her then like well, how is that different from you like forgiving her yeah you know what I mean like, I, just, I don't see the difference there of like like, forgiving someone is such an abstract in, internal concept that, like, you can just, like, make yourself do it <laughs> if you miss her that much. And, like, I understand if you, like, don't want to talk to someone and, like, if you're even seeing her. It's, like, internally, she's, like, Mrs. Tully wants to talk to her. But then externally, with everyone who brings her up, it's, like, how dare you suggest that Tully wants to come to my dad's funeral? Someone that yeah. she knew when she was younger. <laughs> Yeah, like, someone who like, was like a surrogate father for her her entire yeah. life. Like, of course you'd want to be there. Like and that like, was honestly. If I was, that's her mad. I'm like, but you want you yourself are mentioning Tully to yourself all the time. If I was Tully, and they don't really play this at all, but if I was Tully, I would be so angry with Kate for not letting me come to that funeral, yeah. and that would be a whole thing unto itself. Where like once Kate, like another way to play it would have been like Kate holds her ground doesn't let her come but then feels bad about it yeah. and then that is like the thing that helps kate want to forgive tully and build that bridge but by the time she gets there tully is so angry at her rightfully so for not letting her go to the funeral that she's like fuck you i don't want you in my life if you would do something so cruel to me right. you know but they don't go there at all which i think kind of sucks because it's right there and it, and it, it would have been good drama it would have been really good drama instead like the choice to do it like tully's making this funeral about herself and like, well actually you're the one that made a spectacle of not allowing her in and also getting mad at people for bringing her up like yeah tell me who's making it about themselves for your family like <laughs> it's just like it's so ridiculous to me um and like her attempts to make a new friend i thought were so i was like i thought it was so funny when she calls her friend from the writing class like hey bitch yeah and the friend's like who is this <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you can't i mean kate surely has had other friends at some point in her life right like you can't just like she should yeah. it, that was a little bit ridiculous to me where it's like I know that like the point of it is to be like hey you know she doesn't have this this intimate bond with another person she's trying to force it with this yeah. woman but it's like you've had casual friendships with people before right Kate like you know you can't just like jump straight to calling somebody a bitch on the phone without like pre-caller ID I guess <laughs> <laughs> 
(laughs) and also just like the kind of the no boundaries things of just like trying to show her her nipples and stuff yeah yeah you you suddenly are a person who just has no social skills at all i don't know this seems a little bit (laughs) and it's like clearly you miss tully so just call her yeah well and that's what the show wants us to be saying right yeah (laughs) right so in that way it's effective i guess but then you know we get the big sort of the big reveal right tully is off to alaska to be sad which is just like all right whatever (laughs) and uh and if we find out that kate has cancer oh antarctica right yeah yeah Yeah, it's insane um hanging out with bernadette um classic antarctica vacation (laughs) right uh that's an amazing deep pull i love that (laughs) but uh but yeah and right when she leaves kate goes shows up to her door to tell her that she has cancer but she's too late um i got to ask you a question if you get horrific news that you want to share with a with a friend you might be estranged with is the first thing you're going to do show up to their front door not knowing whether they're home or not in the middle of the day when in the middle of the day yeah yeah i would probably call (laughs) yeah uh, shoot a text at least you know like i mean (laughs) believable though to me that kate would just show up yeah it does feel in character (laughs) but it's an incredibly stupid thing to do yeah it's very kate And um, part of me was kind of like, oh, wow, like for the, all this time you were uh, like avoiding talking to Tully even though you wanted to and everyone else wanted you to. Now all of a sudden you need her and it's like you're expecting her to just drop everything and be at home for you. Yeah, like why would you think she would just be at her house? Like that's just, I mean, and part of that is definitely a generational thing because I know yeah, like talking to people who are older than me, like the idea of just dropping by someone's house it's just a thing yeah. and i just then that's just nothing that that just like in, that just an, is an insane thing to me that i just don't understand like that's yeah. not how i ever was like socialized as a <laughs> growing up like you make plans with somebody right. and then you come up like right. you don't just show up <laughs> hoping that they're home like what are you talking about that's a, yeah. something an insane person does but i get it like they're boomers that's a thing that boomers did so maybe it's more plausible but uh but yeah, yeah she should have fucking called her because <laughs> she was in the elevator right next to her <laughs> i know uh, I, I did love a fake out like that. Yeah. Because I'm, th- I'm thinking, like, this is the same episode as, like, Tully missing her photo shoot. Um, uh-huh. And I'm, like, thinking, like, if this girl makes you give up another professional opportunity for her own personal life, I'm be so mad. It's true. <laughs> so it's I'm, true. like, I hope part two ends or starts with Tully coming back from Antarctica and finding Kate still in her hallway. Yeah. I, well, this later. is a. <laughs> that would be that'd be fantastic um i don't think that's where they're headed um but, but i am curious like they're clearly going to have this this tension at the beginning of next season where tully doesn't know anything is different kate wants to tell her that she has cancer but now she's probably going to feel some level of rejection because she showed up to her door and was not answered right. yeah so like how do you think they're gonna do you think they're gonna string that along and have like the cancer no, question I feel like be that's several gonna episodes? Be, that's gonna be resolved by the first episode. I didn't watch the like preview for next season or because I was like oh. I wanna go in blind. Yeah, I didn't watch the preview for next season either, but I did see like the tease at the end of yeah. the actual episode, like the foreshadowing tease. Did you oh, see that? I didn't that? see that. No, I didn't watch that either. Oh, that's um, huge. That's yeah. huge. That's technically so part I'm, of the episode. So. I guess I should watch it now that we're talking about it. But you want me to tell uh, you what it is? Yeah, no, tell me. I'll watch it, but tell me. Yeah. Okay, so they're at Kate's, Kate and Johnny's house, right? And there's a wedding going on. That like Johnny is there, 
uh, he appears to be the groom and he's waiting for the bride to get ready. And they're all like, oh, when is she? Is she getting ready? When is, what's happening? And then um, and then the camera cuts to Tully dressed Ooh. as the bride and she's like getting ready in, in the room. And that's like and then it's like, dun, dun, dun. And then we don't know what happens next. So and that. Um, I would love that if, like, (laughs) at the end of the series, Kate has died, and as the widower, Johnny gets married to Telly. Well, that's what happens in the book. Yeah. And and we talked about it in our last episode. That's right. That's right. And we were like, well, they thank God they're not going to do that because that would be horrible. And now it looks like that's what they're going to do. No, it's got to be a fake out though, because like, I mean, we know that Johnny and Kate are getting married again. Yeah. I can imagine like they're gonna get married fast if she has a really progressive cancer diagnosis, and I'm sure Kate Tully's getting married to someone else, maybe Donnie or some other guy. Because it's, I think that the, t- I think that they say one year later, and then it yeah. goes into that. So we got a year to go for that to happen. So yeah. it's possible that this is a fake out, and they're going to do a double wedding situation where they're both getting married at the same time, and Kate's renewing her vows to Johnny and. And Tully is getting married to somebody else. I hope that's what it is. I hope. It's I mean, a fake out. does it look like it's the same place? Because it could also be like total fake out, where it's not even the same wedding. Oh no, it's definitely the same place because okay. it looks like Kate's bedroom's bathroom, like the one that we've okay, been. Okay. Okay. Like it looks like that's where she's getting ready. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, if that's the case, then I guess we'll see. I just can't imagine like Johnny like wanting to get married as a widower. Like, he doesn't seem yeah. the type to, like, need a wife at home. Well, and it's especially, like, you know, Mara's almost grown at this point. So, yeah, like, it's right. not like you need her, someone to help you raise your child or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, going from, like, get out of my life, Tully, to, like, let's get married. It's just, I, I really know, hope he was more forgiving of Tully towards the end of the whole year. Um, but I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, because the way that the book ends is t- Kate dies of cancer. And then Tully gets into some sort of accident and it goes into a coma. And when and while she's in a coma, she meets Kate on like the astral plane, I guess. <laughs> and they reconcile. And then they decide and then she like frees her to forever. marry Johnny. Yeah. Um I mean that'd be wild if they did that. Honestly, I, I know. Hope they do that. <laughs> I really hope it's not what they do. <laughs> no, there's got to be another twist in there. Like, does, are we sure he looks like a groom? He could be like just in a tuxedo as like maybe a father of the bride type role, or could, it could be a father of the bride type. Like, like he's she, like he walking could... down, walking Kelly down the aisle. He's standing at the altar though, so it would be weird if he was gonna walk her down the aisle and he's standing at the altar. Or That's not, it's as... possible best man or man of honor yeah could be the best man i know that could i mean, be, yeah i feel like the easiest thing is to, to do what the book what they do in the book and have them get married but i'm also kind of like this show has had so many tricks up its sleeves yes <laughs> that like there's got and like the fact that it showed like a major twist like that makes me very suspicious yeah i agree we'll uh, let's all just cross our fingers and hope it doesn't happen oh god and, um, and i think although, uh I think it's gonna come be coming back not too long, right? Like I think, I think in June. Don't, don't, yeah, so not too far from now. I don't know why they just didn't make it like all at once, but I guess they wanted to keep up a little bit more suspense. Yeah, I think it was just because the production was delayed for so long because, because of, of COVID, COVID and everything like yeah. that. So they were like, Well, let's get some of it out at the door. But yeah. and I also think this was like their way of I think probably what it really was is that they didn't wanna 
they had a three season arc, but they didn't want to pay for a third season. So they were like, well, let's get around everyone's contracts by just like extending the second season by a couple of episodes and then splitting it in half and yeah. it go like that. So it's coming back on June 8th. Okay. So in so, about five months, five and a half yeah. months. So we will be, we'll be back, back with you guys <laughs> in about six months time because we'll need a couple of weeks to watch it um, and digest the, the traumatic conclusion of Firefly Lane. <laughs> oh, and, uh, and then we'll be here to break it all down for you guys. So until then, uh, Manish, where can our listeners find your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at vertigate314. Also, my podcast, uh, It Pod to Be You, which you can find on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, right now, we are doing a bad romance miniseries, kind of looking at some unconventional romances and relationships within other genres besides romance like horror and thrillers and action movies. So it's been a lot of fun. We just did um, Get Out. Uh, which is available now, uh, and uh, Eyes Wide Shut. So look out for that as well. It's a lot of fun. Um, interesting kind of way to look at these movies um, and talk about some relationships that don't really get talked about a lot. So that's the main place. Yeah, seeing Get Out pop up on your on your feed, I was like, whoa, I would never <laughs> have guessed, but I love that. I love looking a fun at episode. the movie through that lens. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's awesome. I definitely uh, hope that you can come back to the Pop Break family in the future as well. Um, and in addition to what you're doing on your podcast, you also came on my film podcast recently to talk about Avatar The Way of Water. Uh, yeah. You were a wonderful guest on that. Uh, we had a really fun discussion. Um, we both loved that movie. So if you want to listen to us gush and <laughs> Justin uh, have reserved uh, opinions about yeah. that movie, uh, you can definitely check out Cinema Joe's at Cinema Joe's on Twitter, Cinema Joe's on all major podcast platforms. And you can also listen to my work on thepopbreak.com, clicking on the podcast tab, checking out all the podcasts that I supervise, all the podcasts that I host, including TV Break, where we did our year-end episode in December, and we got some fun stuff planned in January, and uh, our Bill vs. the MCU podcast, where we uh, had our Feige's Award, where we gave away awards for the highlights and lowlights of the first four phases of the MCU. And in January, we are kicking off our Defenders Verse miniseries, where we are going to be reviewing one season of the Marvel Netflix series all year long, up until June, when we uh, do our episode on uh, the most recent Marvel proper um, installments, including Echo, which is going to have a lot of uh, Defender Verse overlap, we've heard. So we're looking forward to all of that. So. Until then, uh, you can also follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Media Thinkings. And uh, keep checking into this feed because we got a lot of fun stuff planned uh, in the future with some of our friends from around the Pop Break family. So thank you, Manish. And until next time, Firefly Lanes Forever. <laughs> For sure.